0: Hello and welcome to the Decrypting Crypto Podcast. It's April 27th, and after a week out, a quick little break, this is, once again, Off Chain, your weekly recap of the biggest stories in Web3. I'm Matthew Housebarby, and as always, I'm here with Austin Knight. How you
1: doing, Austin? Did you miss me? Oh, man. I'm, I am uh, I I was, you know, I, I'm glad you're back, put it that way. I, I, I'm glad you've got the golfing... Out of your system and uh, yep. that you actually returned. I was starting to get worried that you might be <laughs> marooned on, on a dreary British island for the rest of your life. <laughs> well, that
0: is exactly what I am, Austin. I am marooned on a, on a dreary British island. Unfortunately, it's just London. Uh, everyone's leaving <laughs> London now, apparently. So, you know, I'll, I'll remain. I'll fly the flag. Um, <laughs> we got a... Yeah, I mean, I, it, kind of like... I feel like the past couple of weeks... Both simultaneously, a lot has happened and nothing has happened. I kind of, yeah. feel like, there's just been, like, a lot of just kind of boring regulatory stuff. Like, the, it's more like the Gensler uh, interview I thought was, like, super interesting. Uh, But, like, you know, did anything actually come out of that that was different other than Gensler looking like an idiot? No. But am I here <laughs> for it? Yes. Uh, but <clears throat> we've kind of we've kind of had quite a few pieces that we're going to dig into that just talk a little bit to an extent around like some regulation, definitely SEC stuff, but also um, a bit more about like how some of the big players in the space are performing and maybe how this plays into uh, what we can expect from what has been actually pretty turbulent week or so, at least in the markets. So we'll see yeah. how it plays out.
1: And, and to, to kind of just, you know, <laughs> like, I think bring this really down to earth. I would say, despite the fact that the the news has been kind of dry, I don't know how you feel about this, Matt, but personally, I think this is the most concerned I've been about the future of crypto in the US. Um,
0: yes, I, yes, I think this is going to be a big piece, a big theme of what we're going to be talking yeah. about over this year. I completely agree with you. and I mean, we're going to be talking about Coinbase's trading volume falling to a 16 month low in April, right? We're going to dig into that. This is despite Ethan Bitcoin rallying Bitcoin. What was it we were saying in the last episode Bitcoin up from year to date, the number one asset class, 85% up since start of the year. We kind of got pretty much every week now another, episode, uh, another story that we talk about, which is a US crypto entity either being blocked, being sued, or getting in some kind of like regulatory hurdle that's yeah. t- tying them in knots.
1: Yeah, it's, it's scary. So we've got three really interesting stories on that coming up next.
0: Coinbase's monthly trading volume has fallen to a 16 month low in April, 2023. Now, like you may zoom out a little bit and go, well, yeah, I guess like Coinbase has been on the Dow, but it's it's easy to forget what a rally we have had since the start of this year, not just in crypto, but in growth stocks, equity markets. Uh, I mean, like the bond market is kind of stabilized uh, a bit now, but digging into this. I looked at kind of like the headline of of some of this stuff and looked at some of the data and I was like, yeah. And then when I dig in a little bit more, I was like, oh, actually, you know, something's happening here that isn't really related necessarily to Coinbase. But I think as what we were saying at the start of the the episode, a bit more about a reflection of the US. So when we look at monthly trading volume so far in April, this is as of a couple of days ago, it's dropped down to $26.8 billion, like gross trading volume, not fees or revenue generated by, by Coinbase. Um, This represents the largest drop in volume since January 2022, right? And and January 2022 was not like a a bad time um, uh, at all, really, but it was as we were starting to come out of the uh, the, the bull market. But this is all despite Bitcoin and Ether rallying incredibly hard. I mean, hitting points, uh, uh, price highs, well above, I think July, June, maybe even pre that um, of last year, and when you actually look at the chart of trading volume, and it's worth pointing out for Coinbase, you know this is crucial for generating revenue via fees um, and through like their their take rate. It has just been on a consistent downward trend since the the start of twenty twenty two. Like the trend line is pretty much completely down and to the right. And, you know, looking at this data, it definitely points to more than just market sentiment. And I think that there's a bit more here where it's like Coinbase's lunch is being eaten by others. Interestingly, when you overlay this kind of data with the the growth or usage of decentralized exchanges, in particular Uniswap, I think this is probably one of the most like poignant charts that that I saw that Financial Times put together. But you can see it in in Dune or whatever uh, dashboards. But Uniswap has consistently beaten Coinbase in trading volume this year. Every month, they recorded sixty nine billion dollars of trading volume in March of this year versus Coinbase's forty nine billion dollars. Hmm. That's a twenty billion delta. That is significant. Um, so <clears throat> I think that's like a big piece. But then when we kind of narrow in a little bit more, it's like, okay, well, it, I think it's fair to say that on the DeFi side of things, DeFi versus Cfi, mm. most exchanges I think are going to be feeling this. Uh, most centralized exchanges are going to be feeling the pinch against Uniswap. And I think that's largely a, uh, due to someone like the banking crisis spilling over into centralized exchanges, people getting nervy. Yeah, th- this makes sense. What I think we will start to see is when we see more and more data on trading volume of centralized exchanges that are less dependent on the US, I don't expect these numbers to, to be reflected in non-US centric um, exchanges. Okay, maybe Binance might take a slight hit. Um, but I think the big piece here is you know the post FTX US regulatory crackdown, it is clearly Pushing more and more users away from uh, centralized exchanges and to an extent away from crypto overall if you're a U.S. citizen. You'll, you'll know this better than um, myself being based over in the U.S., Austin, but the majority of features on centralized exchanges aren't even available to you. Um, yeah. And it's getting tougher and tougher uh, right now to for users, the user experience, and certainly for the exchanges that are getting squeezed on what feels like both sides.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think at this point, like, you have to just assume that this spree of regulation via enforcement that we've been talking about for the past, what, 24 months, something like that as an issue, um, that it's now somewhat intentional and it is the policy and the approach that will be taken. And what this is causing is... Virtually every operator in the U.S., uh, you know, is defaulting to an ultra-conservative approach for fear of having some type of enforcement action taken against them uh, over a policy that they were never made aware of because nobody was ever made aware of it. Um, So, yeah, it's I I think it's a tough time um, right now in, in the U.S. for crypto and. Of course, you know, Coinbase being a champion of the U.S. crypto industry and even of regulation, as we've discussed multiple times on this show, they're bearing the brunt of that.
0: Definitely, uh, definitely. And I think, you know, when you look at Coinbase's user base, they are so much more skewed to the U.S. market than pretty much any other exchange outside of ftx when ftx was around um i I can't really think of any other centralized exchange where the lion's share of all of their user base is in the us uh, yeah yeah no, no other exchange comes to mind where that's the case um a lot of the like more western exchanges actually have a much larger european user base mm-hmm. uh than than the u.s for the reasons okay maybe outside of gemini but gemini is just not even close to competing with coinbase um so yeah they're they're, they're really getting hurt they are leading the charge in driving forward regulation we're going to hear a little bit more about that uh, later in the episode um but they also kind of have to be uh, you know i don't think anyone else is there and Binance, for all of the the turmoil that they have been in over the past few weeks, kind of, I don't know if irony is the, the right kind of uh, description here, but despite all of that, they are likely to gain uh, just from being not so tied to, to the US in, in right, that respect. Right. On the note of Binance, why don't we dig into our second story of the day, which kind of delves a little bit deeper into something that's, uh, going on with them in the US.
1: Binance US has walked away from their Voyager digital deal. So you may recall a few months ago, we were talking about the, in the wake of the collapse of Voyager digital, Binance had offered to acquire their assets for around $1.3 billion. Matt, Mm. I I think, uh, especially after the FTX deal fell through, our speculation was kind of that this would probably fall through as well. It didn't really totally seem to make sense. But now we have confirmation that the deal has fallen through. Voyager expressed their disappointment. Uh, they plan to return value to their customers via direct distributions. I don't know exactly how that will work. Yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. But they're, they're certainly not going to get as
0: good a deal as they would have got if Binance had taken it over. Um, exactly.
1: <clears throat> yeah, I agree. Um, more to come on that. But yes, you may recall Binance also walked away from their FTX deal. So this is too... Really large deals from our summer of crypto collapses um, that uh, that have fallen through. This time, though, Binance cited a different reason than they did when they walked away from the FTX deal, and that was a hostile regulatory climate. Starting to see a theme here. Hmm. Here's a quote from Binance. While our hope throughout this process was to help Voyager's customers access their crypto... The hostile and uncertain regulatory climate in the United States has introduced an unpredictable operating environment impacting the entire American business community. So basically what they're saying here is, you know, we're, we're worried about the knock on effects that this could have with regulators. If we were to move forward with this deal, or kind of, if you read between the lines here, maybe move forward with really any significant any, investment yeah. in the United States. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's, so um, here's the thing. It leaves them in a pretty precarious position, I think, on the Binance side, where we've had these these real questions into, is there an underlying problem at Binance? We had the Paxos issue and situation where their now BUSD stablecoin is being not quite so uh, slowly unwound, uh, at least. And they're kind of losing their foothold. Their banking ties have gone in the US. It feels like Binance US is... It, 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 my personal opinion, at least on this, kind of feels a little dead in the water. Now, yeah. bear in mind, this is a fraction. I think it's something like 3%, if that, of yeah. all of Binance is like trend volume. So yeah, this, this can die in Binance. absolutely fine. Yeah. But... With that, like how do they grow? How do they expand? That they are being choked, right? And and it it seems whether this is the right thing or the wrong thing on the regulatory side, it seems to be a calculated move, in my opinion, from the various uh US regulatory bodies.
1: I, I totally agree. It turns out actually a judge had approved this deal, but regulators raised issues with it. The SEC FTC and the Texas department of banking all objected to the deal together. And in mm. fact, the U S attorney for the Southern district of New York, Damian Williams called the deal blatantly illegal. <laughs> he had a bunch of reasoning for that, but that's, that's, those are some pretty strong words. And yeah. you may recall as well, this isn't the only regulatory uh, scrutiny that Binance is facing. Uh, last month, a separate judge, put a deal on pause until the US Justice Department's appeal against Judge Wiles ruling could be addressed. So oh, yeah. Binance's deals are, you know, they're they're under a lot of scrutiny right now. They're also Binance, the international entity, is facing a lawsuit from the CFTC, which is also a US regulatory body, for violating derivatives rules.
0: And that's the big one, isn't it? That's yeah, that's the real that big definitely one. Is. That's kinda like the the ripple-esque type um, situation that the is facing, but with uh, arguably a much more serious regulatory body in the CFTC, it's it's pretty precarious. I will say though, they don't seem that bothered, and <laughs> I I guess the, you know when I when I put myself in like CZ's shoes and I think about this, like, okay, am I bothered? And people look at this, uh, it's easy to it's easy to forget that. While the U.S. market is an enormous market, it is a drop in the ocean to Binance. Binance could close their entire operations in the U.S. And I really don't think it would make much of a difference at all to their their business. I, I think there is a brand impact. And I think that it helps some of the competitors start to gain global market share. The problem, though, for a lot of those competitors um maybe outside of some of like the Okx and other non-us focused exchanges they're all based in the US and they're going to come up against the same headwinds like coinbase is facing so many headwinds uh to to kind of gain market share so yeah they're probably kind of playing a game of chicken here with with a lot of these regulators because they've maybe feel like they have more leverage um
1: yeah and and there may even be an aspect of where they're asking themselves like you know should we really care like there there could be upside to Mm. uh the the you you know everybody getting locked out of the u.s market when when it's such a small portion of their market share at least in the short term i mean if i were cz i can tell you i would be a lot more bothered if regulatory bodies and a- APAC especially yeah, like the CCP. Singapore. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah,
0: yes, yeah. Yep, exactly. It,
1: it, it, that's exactly who I was thinking. Like if Singapore or, uh, you know, the Chinese regulatory bodies were yep. coming after CZ and Binance, I think that's when he's going to start to get really worried. Um, because that would strike at the heart of the operation. Uh, yeah. You know, something in, in the U.S. is- He doesn't want to get jack
0: ma basically. Oh my gosh, nobody wants to get jack Very true. <laughs> yeah, and,
1: and but the thing is, Matt, the, the thing that worries me about this is, I, I was saying, you know, short-term for a reason there, because I do think that there is some real potential long-term downside to the U.S.- blocking everybody out of its market um, in that, you know, a lot of innovation happens here um, in crypto and adjacent to crypto. Right. Um, And the reality is that if we continue to make it difficult for crypto entities to operate in the United States, we are going to at minimum drive that innovation offshore And we're Mm -hmm. not going to be able to participate in it and benefit from it, but also we're likely going to cause some form of stagnation to it, or, or I guess you could say, slow it down a bit or, or limit some of its potential because of the sort of compounding effect that can be had when multiple different forms of related innovation are happening in the same place. Like, you know, obviously a lot of amazing AI innovation is happening here. A lot of amazing Web3 innovation is happening here um, to lock crypto out of that. I, I think, uh, you know, would uh, it, it would be bad for the United States, certainly, and the U.S. economy, um, but it would also be bad for crypto itself, I think, yeah, in the long I term. Agree. I definitely
0: yeah. agree. I agree with all of that, and I think it's uh, you know a lot of the talent that's going to come in across all of those sectors uh, are going to be stunning. And you know, <clears throat> we're seeing this in London, the financial services sector. Uh, a lot of the great talent in in London has been leaving, and similarly in crypto, because we're seeing our own kind of uh, regulatory, albeit smaller scale, kind of crackdown, or at least an aversion to crypto as a whole. It's uh, a lot of great talent are moving to places like actually places like France uh, or previously mm-hmm. Portugal and things like that. Right. So yeah, I think it's challenging, but let's, let's finish up with the last story of the day, which I think ties, ties a bow around these two. Cause I, I think we're going to kind of come full circle in what Coinbase is actually doing about all of this. We talked a little bit so far in the episode around the actions being taken by regulators, uh, challenges, headwinds. Coinbase, it seems, is fed up of being on the defensive and is going on the offensive in a move that I don't know if many people were really expecting. Certainly not like out of the question, but they are suing the SEC. And the whole play on this really is, is they're looking to force the SEC to respond to a previous petition that the company filed aiming for a rule specific to digital assets. So they're basically looking for a yes-no on a petition that they put out. I think it was right at the end of, of 2022. Let me just, I've got the link here. I'm just going to double check. July, actually, 2022. It was a petition for rulemaking of digital assets securities regulations. TLDR, what they want. Is for there to be clear guidance around the uh, SEC's position on digital assets so that again we don't just have this like ruling through enforcement. And uh, you know, this comes at a time when Coinbase has active investigations pending from the SEC. Since they uh, they received a Wells notice earlier this year, they're under investigation right now, and yet they are kind of going after this. And I think it is a really really bold move. And I think that everyone in the wider crypto space is looking at this and saying, you know, even like Coinbase competitors, etc. They're rallying behind Coinbase and Brian Armstrong and team, and saying, you know, this this kind of needs to be done. Um, it is kind of wild that you know, we're talking about this as if they're, they're doing this huge bod step that they're putting basically, they're, they're trying to sue the SEC just to basically get them to actually make some kind of like, legislational rules that then regulate the industry. It's not a it's not a big demand here, right? Like we're not asking for a complete blanket approval on every form of digital asset to exist. We're actually saying, hey, regulate us, just give us some some kind of guidance. And I thought yeah. that so Paul, Paul Grohl, the chief legal officer at Coinbase, they, they shared a blog post that you can go check out on the Coinbase blog that talked about that this move in detail. And I pulled out this one kind of quote from it that, that Paul shared where he says, Coinbase does not take any litigation lightly, especially when it relates to one of our regulators, Regulatory clarity is overdue for our industry. Yet Coinbase and other crypto companies are facing potential regulatory enforcement actions from the SEC, even though we have not been told how the SEC believes the law applies to our business. This is very well put. I think it makes it very clear what they're asking for in all this. And it is going to be fascinating to see how this plays out and whether it will force the SEC to, I don't know, do their job, maybe. Uh, <laughs> they, 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 it feels like the tide is turning on the SEC and Gary Gensler in particular, um, they're receiving a lot of scrutiny. I, you know, This is a bit of a side tangent. I was watching Bloomberg News this morning or midday when I was just having some lunch. I don't know if you've seen this yet, Austin, because I know it's early your time, but did you see that Gary Gensler got kind of uh, somehow on a call with a russian prankster who pretended to be vladimir zelensky in january of oh last year and was on the call for a substantial amount of time was like sharing like support for ukraine talking about um the f- like projections for inflation they've insisted the sec have that um they had not shared any private information or confidential information and in fact it seems like Christine Lagarde from um, the uh, so the ECB that she is not the ECB uh, the ECC uh, the European Commission um, were also got separately uh, kind of duped into going into this exact same call. This blows my mind that they, how the hell wow. does this happen but you know all of this is falling into this narrative that yeah, do the SEC have their shit together? Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think it's not a great look uh, for this kind of thing to be happening. But
1: um, yeah, I uh, mean, yeah. you know, look, like literally Coinbase is. Su- think about this. Coinbase is suing the SEC to ask them to regulate them. OK, and been- <laughs> I don't think we thought we'd say that back
0: in like 2017, 2018, when we would be talking about on it's the podcast. Right,
1: absurd. Yeah. And they, they've been trying to do this. Like Brian Armstrong has been very vocal about this for years now saying what we need is regulation, clear regulation. We need to know what the rules are, what the frameworks are so that we can operate within them. Please tell us and we will operate within those rules, guidelines, frameworks, whatever it may be. Just please SEC tell us. And now it's gotten to the point where they're having to sue them to enforce them to tell them what the rules are. Because this mm-hmm. is the only the only way that that they're going to survive. And you know what's crazy to think about is Coinbase, despite doing this for years, trying to clarify the rules and regulations, and proving time and time again that they are good faith actors in this space that are just trying to do the right thing for the space for re- regulation and are trying to abide by whatever rules do exist. To the point of like literally hiring legal terms to legal teams to try to anticipate or interpret what might happen down the line and then prepare for that in advance. Despite the fact that they have proven time and time again, that they are good actors in this space. They've probably never been further from, from actually getting any clarity from the sec. And you, you know what, Matt, do you know who got the closest to getting the sec to pass some laws and rules and regulations? It wasn't Coinbase. It wasn't the good faith actor. It was FTX. Yes.
0: Yeah. It's it. You're completely correct, and the the irony being, you know, it's like not even really primarily a U.S. based entity. You know, they were largely based out mm-hmm. of the the Bahamas. And okay, we're talking about FTX U.S., but <laughs> it, it's it, it's it's crazy to me. This is a publicly listed company in Coinbase, and I and I think it's fair to say, and it's really well documented, um, and there's consensus around this that one of the big driving factors behind Coinbase going public, and probably a majority of other US-based crypto exchanges uh, thinking down the same route is this is probably the best we can get to, you know, like sticking to the rules in despite of the rules is taking on additional regulatory oversight and becoming a listed company on NYSE or NASDAQ or whatever it is. So it is really crazy. Um, I think that it is a very bold move. And I think it is the right thing to be asking for. And we're going to see this come to a head. We're seeing more pressure being placed on the SEC internally. Uh, We're seeing external pressures coming on them. There has to be some ruling set. And I think we're all hopeful of that. I'm kind of at the point right now where I'm just like, you know, even if like, the regulatory hammer comes down quite a bit here and it's pretty heavy. I'd probably still take that over the vacuum that that we have yeah. today. Um, at least people can build and invest and grow uh, knowing that the goalposts won't move immediately. So a lot has been happening in, well, as I said at the start, a whole lot has been going on, but a whole lot hasn't actually been happening. And uh, I think <laughs> I'm pretty hopeful that we're going to see over the coming weeks some more developments in this space. Regulation is slow, uh, especially when it doesn't exist. But I think this is kind of the bringing it into the mainstream discussion. And it's hopefully, over the long time horizon, I think anyone that's in the crypto space has to be a long-term thinker. Uh, mm. it, it it should be a good thing. So hopefully we'll be covering more of this kind of thing. Uh, next week, We'll we'll probably talk a little bit more about what we think about the market moving forward uh, in next week's episode. Cause you know, we just had some, we didn't even talk about the pretty incredible earning reports that have been coming out of uh, meta to begin with. Did not expect Mm -hmm.
1: that Uh,
0: Google really strong advertising revenue. I think we've got Amazon today at market close Um, and uh, Microsoft really strong despite their Activision deal being blocked. And you know, tech earnings are going to have a big knock-on effect into the confidence in the crypto market and other growth stocks so we will chat more about that next week no doubt austin as always been a pleasure and i'll see you next week see you then matt